Today's episode of the Can't Wait Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Jets tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score some last-minute tickets. shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. How about them Cowboys? And how about them Jets? That was Jamal Adams after the game. The Jets' first win of the season. They finally get on the board. It's Monday, October 14th, episode 16 of the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes. He covers the Jets here at The Athletic. And Connor, um, we're going to get into all of it, obviously. Darnell's performance and what he means to this team. The defense, which was good again. But I want to start here because you made note of it in, in your story this morning and on Twitter as well. Adam Gase postgame tried to really be tried to kind of put on the Belichick face. Instead, the smile just kind of peeking through. Seems like that kind of tells the story of this team, that that happy times are here again. Uh, the Jets needed this one, Tim. They, they, they needed this one in the absolute worst way. They needed to win this game in the way that they did, where the offense made its plays, the defense made its plays, where finally this team that over the last three, four, five years, I know Gates just got here here this season, but this team over the last four or five years has been struggling so, so much with closing teams, closing teams out, winning these close ones to have the game basically decided by one play and have the Jets make that play to have it go their way and, and, and upset the heavily favored Cowboys, a, a game that went off as an eight and a half points or a game that went off as a seven point spread, but was eight and a half for most of the week. This is exactly what the Jets needed. They finally got back to playing the football that that they were supposed to play from the get-go. The, this this was the type of offense that that us media saw day in and day out in training camp. The Jets put on on a very brief appetizer type sample during the preseason. This is what it was all supposed to look like. And and when Darnold played the first game with Mono, he just couldn't really do what he was supposed to do. And then obviously when the Jets are dealing with Trevor Simeon for a cup of coffee, followed by uh, Luke Falk for the ensuing two and a half games, there was no chance of this team having success. Well, with Darnold back out there, you saw the innovation return for Adam Gase. You saw the brilliance return for Adam Gase. You saw this offense hum and look very much like it was supposed to look from week one on. And the optimism was just back. And and you said it. I mean, Gase on that press conference, I was cracking up the whole time because you could see he was trying to be so stoic, right? Just the the monotone voice, the the no declarative statements, the very basic and and just straightforward approach to uh, we're not, I'm not going to make anything more of this game than what it is. It's just one win. We got Patriots next week. We got a long season. It's just one win. 
but every few words you would kind of see it on the corner of his face he would start to smile and then he would immediately catch himself and then just like kind of put on a grimace and like like kind of like pierce his lips because he's like no no no, i can't see him smile i can't see him smile (laughs) so he did it like three times and finally i looked at him i was like dude you can smile you're allowed to and he like kind of like then he gave like the half smile and was like yeah okay connor kind of thing but look this was this was what the jets needed this isn't a this isn't a game that's obviously going to put the Jets into playoff contention. This isn't a just this one game is not going to change everything, but this did give them so much life, and it did in a way save their season because now they're going in a game against the Patriots, so they're going to be heavy underdogs. I think that it's already a ten point spread. They're probably going to lose that game, but after that, it gets so so easy that the Jets needed this game if they want to have a chance to play meaningful football down the stretch. They needed this one to remind themselves that they are a decent football team and that they can win games. And they got it in, in a big way where it, were, it wasn't perfect. Obviously, they let up 22 points, and, and the Cowboys were, were two yards away from tying this game. And, and, heck, I mean, the Jets actually almost threw this one away with uh, with, with a, a botched um, Demarius Thomas bobble that onside kick attempt. But uh, th- this was one the Jets needed, and, and certainly it was it was good for that team to see it go their way because you, you could just feel the relief and the weight get off their shoulders uh, when you walked into that locker room that this team was rolling. Yeah, after that Patriots game coming up, it's it's at the Jaguars, at the Dolphins, then Giants, at the Redskins, Raiders, at the Bengals, and then Dolphins again. You figure they'll probably be favored against the Dolphins, Redskins, Bengals. Giants probably be a pick as well. So, yeah, the schedule definitely gets a lot lighter. All right, let's talk about Darnold's performance overall um, and break it down a little bit. The numbers... Real good. 23 of 32, 338 yards, couple of touchdowns, the one interception. We'll talk about that pick as well as we get into this. Um, but let's go start from the beginning. First pass of the game, Connor, 17 yards to Demarius Thomas. And Donald said after the game that right then and there, after that throw, even though that drive stalled and they didn't score on that first possession, he felt like it was going to be a good day. Yeah, it was all because of how he he was seeing the offense or seeing the defense, I should say, on that play. You know, with, with Darnold and playing quarterback, it's, it's very cerebral. And when you don't play for a month, you don't necessarily know how you're going to react to live bullets. You're only going to get so much in practice against the scout team. And while the Jets do end things with a, a one-on-one drill in, in the two-minute period, um, where where kind of it's the first team offense versus the second team defense, uh, first team offense versus first team defense in a compete drill during practice you're still only going to see so much. So game uh, practice reps are important. Practice reps are meaningful, but but there's a very big difference between game reps and practice reps. So when Darnold was out uh, basically a full month and, and hadn't hadn't played since that week week one opener and 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 uh, uh I mean he wasn't even 100% in that game cuz he had mono. He was he was still in the back of his head was okay, I think I'm good. I feel like I'm good, but at the same time I'm not really going to know until I start to see this thing in person. And on that draw, on that play, he was kind of talking about a little bit more after the game, was he he dropped back, he moved the defense with his eyes, he read the coverage right, he knew that, okay, if these guys go this way, I'm going to have Thomas open to the left, read everything perfectly, shifted in the pocket, felt comfortable in the pocket, and then delivered a strike for the 17-yard gain and a first down. And he said that from then on, it was full steam ahead, you know what? And I think his quote was that this is going to be a pretty good offensive day. And, and you saw it, I mean... I know that the Dow Loggins said on Thursday, the Jets' offensive coordinator, that that Sam Darnold wasn't going to be this team's magic wand. I know that you know everything the Jets tried to do was to to hold back expectations. Some like, look, he's going to give us a boost. He's going to change things, but he's not going to fix everything. Well, the offense wasn't perfect. It's only going to get better. The offensive line still needs work. But you saw a franchise quarterback 
under center and you saw what a difference a franchise quarterback makes. I mean, forget the numbers, right? I mean, the 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 beautiful pass that, that Darnold threw to, to Jamison Crowder. That's that's a that's a hell of a throw, but but there are quarterbacks in the NFL that can make that throw. The bomb to Robbie Anderson. Give Anderson credit. He beat the coverage. He was open. Darnold threw the pass, but it was an open target. Where you saw the difference that Darnold makes was the adjustments that he made at the line, was his read progressions, his ability to check the Jets out of one play to get them into the right one. Gase was basically sending Sam Darnold to the line with two or three different plays at a time, and it was Darnold's job to get the Jets into the right one. So there were times when Gase would say, hey, this is the play I want, but he would say, if this isn't there, these are your two checks, okay? So if if you get a, if you get this look, these are your two checks. It's very similar to what the Giants used to do with Eli Manning back in his day when they went to the Super Bowl in 2007 and 2011. He'd go to the line with a play, and then they, but the, in his mind, there were checks. So if the defense gave them a look that they weren't expecting, Manning could check to a play that would get them into a better position to beat that defense. They're doing that with Darnold in just his second year. They're sending him out there with a play to run, but two checks in case something's wrong and he can read the defense and say, all right, let's change that up. Darnold was doing that at the line to get the Jets into the perfect protect, perfect play. In fact, that long completion to, to Jamison Crowder uh, in the first half where Crowder lined up in the slot, came behind, I got to go back and watch the replay, but he kind of came behind, I think it was Thomas. It was like a trips left. He, he came behind and then ran a wheel route up the left sideline and Darnold hit him for a gorgeous pass or hit him with a gorgeous pass. Darnold checked to that play. That was not the play that the Jets had run. They, they had put out there some other play. Robbie Anderson started pointing out the safety blitz. The safety blitz, uh, Darnold alerted and shifted the offensive line to the right to pick up that safety blitz. He then knew the defensive look he was getting to. He audibled to that play to Crowder, and then he threw him the perfect pass for the big gain for a first down on that Jets' second drive, uh, which eventually ended in a Le'Veon Bell two-yard touchdown run. Those are plays that other quarterbacks simply do not make. And the biggest, most the, the thing that I was most impressed with is you know the issues that the Jets have at the offensive line. We've talked about him ad nauseum in the last couple of weeks. They were still there against a very good Cowboys defense featuring Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence. But Darnold's movement within the pocket to feel the rush to the left, but step up in the pocket, move up, and create his own new pocket throughout the offensive line, his ability to throw without his feet set, whether his feet are flat-footed or off-balance or off his back foot, and still make accurate throws, that uh, magical sloppiness that uh, ESPN analyst and former NFL quarterback uh, Dave uh, Dan Orlovsky credited it, it when Darnold, after his first year, that kind of you know, he just finds a way to do things. His movement within the pocket and also his ability to contort his body and th- find throwing lanes that did not previously exist, quite literally creating his own throwing lanes to find receivers. It was absolutely remarkable to see, and this kid is only going to get better. This was his first game after a month off, and he was doing these things. He's going to get more comfortable. The offensive line is going to get better because they're going to have more chemistry together. The Jets are going to start to play weaker teams that are not the Dallas Cowboys, who despite the fact they're 3-3 and have a very talented defense. Darnold was remarkable. He really was, and he's only going to get better, and you saw what a difference a franchise quarterback makes. You saw what this offense looks like when a franchise quarterback is under center, and good things are coming for the Jets. Again, they've got some other things to fix. This wasn't the perfect game, but you saw what this team could do, and I think the most important, the, the most impressive thing was that I heard from Darnold after the game was that he was talking about the looks that they were getting because I was kind of curious if, or actually I believe it might have been Le'Veon Bell that I was talking about. It wasn't Sam Darnold. Yeah, it was Le'Veon Bell. I was kind of curious that as, as Darnold started taking these deep shots, deep shots, deep shots, did the defense finally back out? So did they go from crowding the box, putting eight, nine, ten guys in the box to stop Le'Veon Bell? Did they finally crowd out? And Bell basically said no. Like throughout the game, the, the Cowboys knew the Jets wanted to run the ball, 
So they just packed the box and they run blitzed. When they started doing that, Sam Darnold realized, all right, yeah, it's my first game in a month, but if we're going to win this game, I got to put the team on my back. And that's what he did. So this week, it was all tons of guys in the box. Sam Darnold was taking advantage of that single high, two high safety look, cover zero, and making plays against it. If he continues to do this next week against the Patriots, then the Jaguars, then the Dolphins, what teams are going to start to do is they're not going to load the box anymore. They're going to start playing coverage and dropping guys back. When that happens, that means Le'Veon Bell is now running against six and seven man fronts. He's going to feast on that. So you're starting to see come. You're starting to kind of see develop what Adam Gase's brainchild of an offense of how this can work when Darnold's clicking and Bell's clicking. It was there in training camp. We saw it day in and day out in training camp. You lost it when Darnold went down with Mono. Now you're seeing it come back with him back under center. And I'm telling you, man, this kid is is what makes all of this work. The Jets have a franchise quarterback. Darnold is going to be a star. And you're seeing the difference that he makes on the field. I mean, his, again, he can make every throw. He's deadly accurate. His mobility. I mean, you saw the run that he had that was called back on offsetting penalties. But more than anything else, his ability to move within the pocket and throw and make plays off script. I mean, that that was as good as I've seen him do that uh, since he's come into the league. Again, he did it a little bit against the Bills, but he had mono, so he wasn't the same quarterback. He's probably 50% of what he was. This, this, this game against the Cowboys is when you saw Sam play like he did throughout training camp, which is why I kept saying over and over again, this kid's going to be good. He made um, they, they had back-to-back plays, the one where he rolled out and found Crowder for 25 yards. Then the, the very next play, he had that really weird kind of step up in the pocket in a juke, and he almost threw it sidearm over the middle. It was yeah, he threw mid-juke. I mean, he, completed a pass, he completed a pass to Crowder. I mean, he felt mid-juke. the rush. He evaded, yeah, he evaded the rush and mid-juke, Threw a pass to Crowder. It, w- it was like nothing I've seen before. It, w- it was like the guy, he's not hes not as physically talented as um, uh, Patrick Mahomes is. He's just not that right. athletically gifted. But he has some of those similar qualities in terms of how he's able to make plays like that. Where he can maneuver his body to find throwing lanes. He can throw similar to that. Again, he's not Pat Mahomes in terms of that talent. I've never... In my, I mean, I'm younger, but still, I've I've never in my life, aside from maybe Aaron Rodgers, seen anyone do the things that Pat Mahomes can do. But Darnold has similar traits in that regard, where he can make plays when they're not there, and he can move within the pocket. He he's a guy that can survive a bad offensive line because of his mobility, not not Lamar Jackson mobility, but his ability to move within the pocket and create new pockets, and also his ability to throw off script where it doesn't need to be clean. He doesn't need to have his feet set to make plays work, and you saw that against the Cowboys. Great job of keeping everybody happy as well. First six completions went to six different receivers. Um, Robbie Anderson ends up with five catches. Buck 25, of course, 92 of those on the on the one play. Um, Jameson Crowder, six catches. Demarius Thomas, four catches. You go down the list, he got everybody involved. Um, everybody's happy there catching passes. And the other thing that I wanted to touch on with you was they get in the two-minute drill there in the second quarter before the half, and... I mean, you would have never known that this guy's been out. Just cool, calm, collected, two-minute drill. They go down the field um, and get that third touchdown to make it 21-3 to before the – well, then they end up giving the field goal back. But they make it 21-3, to and he looked like a a 10-year veteran running that two-minute drill. Yeah, he's just – you know what's crazy is that during the – during the the bye week, right, when when Darnold was out, when he was still hoping to come back against the Eagles – the Jets had that full week off. He went in to, to Adam Gase's offense and sat down with the coach on one of the bye days. Gase was trying to figure out this offensive line, trying to fix all these things. And he basically got a knock at the door and he opens it up and, and it's Darnold. And Darnold looked at him and he said, coach, teach me the offense. 
and and Gase was like, "What do you what do you mean? Like we've been going." He goes, "I know." He goes, "But week one did not go how I wanted it to." He goes, "I I didn't like what happened." He goes, "Obviously I had mono, so it was some of it. Week one didn't go how I wanted it to." The next couple of weeks, he was like, you know what? I, I don't like how the offense is looking. He goes, I feel like when I'm on the sideline, something's still off. I was, he goes, teach me the offense like I've never learned it before. And they sat in his office for three hours going over every blocking scheme, every pass pattern, every everything, going through the entire offense again to reteach Darnold, to build on what he already knows. He knew the offense, but to rehash everything he knows. So he was no longer on the field thinking anymore. It had now been hammered home so much again that it was. I know now I'm good. Now I'm good, and I think you started to see that against the cow against the Cowboys because again, Gase has had an offense that has worked before in his past. A little bit of glimmers in Miami, but again, they blamed a lot of that on Ryan Tannehill. You saw it with Jay Cutler in Chicago, and you specifically saw it a lot. Obviously, you know this is kind of an asterisk that pretty much any offense can work with Peyton Manning, but you saw it with Peyton Manning in Denver. His offensive schemes work. Guys are open, but you need the quarterback to make it work. That's the key is that you need the quarterback to make it work. Darnold was out there, and you saw it all come together. I mean, between the receivers that were running wide open, I mean, Darnold made some remarkable passes, but guys were also open. Robbie Anderson was wide open several times. Jamison Crowder was wide open. Demarius Thomas was wide open. Ryan Griffin was finding plays in which he was wide open. These plays are working. The scheme is now working. And you're seeing it all come together. And and the one thing to remember, too, is that aside from this was the fact that this was a, 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 a decent Cowboys defense, this was also Darnold's first game back in a month. So he didn't show any rust, but it's also a sign he's only going to get better. And uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, look, it's if, if Jet fans are going to work today, I know they're, they're still 1-4, and, and, and the playoffs are still a, a very big, long shot, especially if the Jets lose to the Patriots. Um, you got you to gotta feel good because for the first time, Probably since August, you can kind of see the light again at the end of the tunnel, and you can finally start to believe a little bit. And and the again, the reason why is Sam Darnold. The reason why is Sam Darnold. That kid is so good that he is going to make everything else around him work. If we're going to nitpick, uh, two for 10 on third downs, not perfect. The running game's still a work in progress, but if he keeps throwing like this, it's going to open things up. Bell, 14 carries, yeah, the one, not to interrupt, 50 yards. Not to interrupt you real quick, Tim. The, the, reason the, run, the reason the run game was struggling so much is, like I said, the, the Cowboys packed eight, nine guys in the box. Yep. So that's also why those deep plays were there, why you saw Robbie Anderson, 92-yard touchdown. Crowder had a 32-yard gain. Thomas had a 33-yarder. The reason you saw those plays deep down the field is because it was single high the majority of the game. I mean, I tweeted that out a handful of times watching from the press box, which is one of the benefits of seeing things from the press box. It was single high safety virtually every single play until the Jets got into third and longs, and then finally the, the Cowboys put, put two safeties back. So what that means is that the big plays are going to be there, but as the Jets continually hit those big plays and they beat cover zero and they beat cover one and they start to hit Robbie Anderson deep – Defenses are going to realize, okay, we can't keep doing this. We got to drop guys back. When they drop guys back, that's when Le'Veon Bell is going to start to have those big successful plays. But the one thing also is that you saw as, as the game wore on, as the Jets actually started running a, a, a legitimate amount of offensive plays. I mean, I think they ran, I have the number here. Where is it? I think the GSIS tells you how many plays they ran. Yeah, so the Jets ran a total of, uh, they ran 20 total times, but they had 54 total offensive plays, which is more than they've had the last couple of weeks. As you start to run more and you commit yourself to the run and you start to kind of move the ball a little bit there, 
the defense gets worn down. And as the defense gets worn down, those one, two, three-yard runs that Bell was having in the first two quarters, by third quarter, fourth quarter, they will be three, four, five-yard runs. And you started to see that a little bit in the second half. You started to see um, those runs pick up. You know what I mean? Like you started to see Bell start to get a little bit more three yards, four yards of carry. But then the Jets started throwing again because the Cowboys started crowding the box. But as those guys back out and as the Jets start to run more and more offensive plays to keep guys uh, to keep the defense a little tired and wear them down, you'll see that offensive. You'll see that that uh, that run game improve quite a bit. So he throws the interception late, snapped snap the streak of 179 passes without a pick, which is another thing that's pretty impressive for such a young quarterback to go that kind of time, especially when he's a guy who in college that was kind of the big thing was that he, he was threw too many picks, turned the ball over too much. So he ends that streak. Um, there was a little question. This is a play that if they end up losing this game and the Cowboys come back tied and then end up winning it on them, this play ends up being a lot bigger, obviously, the interception deep in, in Cowboys territory. Yeah. Um, but they end up winning, so it's fine, and we can gloss over it. But was the interception more on Darnold or was it more on Crowder? Uh, Darnold took full blame after the game. Uh, he, he took full, he said, that one's on me. You know, it was a bad throw, bad read. I shouldn't have thrown it. Uh, on the snap though, Crowder did not look at all. He had, Crowder had no idea the potential pass was coming. And I think that was Sam's hot read. So I I have to do, once we get over there, I'll do a little more digging and I'll, I'll figure that out as far as who, I, I think it was more on, uh, Crowder than what Darnold is letting on. He takes blame for everything. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily was on him. Like the perfect example was last year. He took full blame for the interception. He threw to Terrell Pryor. Uh, gosh, I forget, I forget who they played, but Pryor ran arguably the most, the ugliest route I've ever seen in my life, uh, in the corner of the end zone. And someone jumped the pass and picked it off because Crowder quit at the top of the route. And if he, if he had broke hard and actually ran a, a route, it's a touchdown, but he's not. And this is probably why Terrell Pryor is no longer in the NFL. Um, but after the game, Darnold took full blame for it, and then Terrell Pryor actually came out himself and said, no, that was that's all on me. I, I, I ran the wrong route. I, I gave up on the play kind of thing. So um, I I don't think it was as much on Darnold as he let on, uh, but I'll, I'll know that a little bit later on in the week. We can talk about that on Friday probably. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's switch over to the defense. Um, this defense continues to – well, they started great. Obviously, the Cowboys come back. They make the big play late, but but plays better than I think we anticipated. This is a Cowboys team that was down a couple offensive linemen. Amari Cooper leaves the game early. That certainly helped things out. Um, but overall, the defense looked good, and they set the tone second quarter. Um, they stopped the Cowboys on a third and one with a one-yard loss. Then a fourth and two, they take over, keep Dallas off the board, and that immediately leads to the 92-yard pass for the touchdown and and the significant lead. Um, That's the type of thing that I didn't think we'd ever see from this defense, Connor, is is short yardage stuffs, and they came through with them big, and and we got to give credit to Greg Williams. Yeah, look, this Jets defense, I think what, what people do need to remember is that and this was why the expectations were so low, is they have a, a legitimate talent deficiency, especially with C.J. Mosley out. I mean, this is not a very talented defense. They have some talented players. Quinton Williams uh, played the best game of his young career on, on Sunday. Uh, Jamal Adams, obviously, is arguably the best safety in the NFL. Uh, Brian Poole's a pretty good nickel corner. I mean, there there are some decent players on defense. But in no way, uh, Marcus May is another one who's a pretty good player. But uh, in no way, shape, or form is this a top-tier defense or is this an elite-level defense from a talent perspective. Despite this, Greg Williams, who is is absolutely earning his paycheck with New York, 
has this team playing average to slightly above average ball. I mean, he is absolutely he absolutely has this group exceeding uh, the level of play that their talent indicates they should have, and uh, I, I think you're, 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 that's why you're going to see throughout a game, throughout these games, throughout the rest of this season, when the Jets are playing better teams, it's going to be a bend but don't break. It's going to be you're going to let up some plays, you're going to let up some long gains, you're going to make some mental mistakes, but when you get down in crunch time, you kind of got to make that play, which is why when the the Cowboys went in the red zone, they came away with touchdowns just twice. I mean, they were two of four in the red zone. That's a big win for the Jets defense. While the Jets did let up that touchdown run to Dak Prescott. They then immediately bounced back with the uh, with Jamal Adams coming through on, on basically the fire sale blitz um, and and hitting Prescott so the pass was low and he couldn't get it to Witten and and the Jets had good coverage elsewhere. I mean they they throughout the game they gave up plays uh, they gave up yards. I mean you look at the uh, the the total. I can try to bring it up here. Where is it? There we go. I mean the Cowboys ran seventy five offensive plays. I mean the the Jets were on the field for a chunk. They averaged five point three yards a carry. They had they gave up. Uh, 398 total yards, total net yards of offense. The Jets had just one punt. They didn't force a turnover, but they made plays when they had to. And, and again, that's the testament to Greg Williams making plays with guys that maybe aren't necessarily the most talented or the best. And you know, I do have to give some credit to, to the Dallas Cowboys because in the first half, I mean, when the Jets were up 21-6, uh, they they had Ezekiel Elliott stuffed. They had Dak Prescott stuffed. And, and you mentioned it, losing Amari Cooper was big because suddenly the Jets – didn't have to worry about shading a safety anywhere near any receiver. They could pretty much man up on the outside with one safety just to guard whoever went deep. Um, but the big thing was that in the second half, what the Cowboys did is they realized this. So what they did is they just spread the the defense. I mean, they would put four guys out there, including Ezekiel Elliott. Then they would motion Ezekiel Elliott back in the backfield, and then they would run. And by spreading the defense, it basically prevented the Jets from putting nine and ten guys in the box to stuff the run like they had been in the first half, which is why you started seeing Elliott have some success in the second half. But again, when the Cowboys got close to the end zone, the Jets' defense did what it could to hold on, and it kept the Jets in the game. The offense did its part. The special teams did its part, and the Jets pulled out the victory. So I think this is the kind of game that you're going to see from the Jets' defense throughout the year, Ben, but don't break just because of the talent on there. When they get a pass rusher, when they shore up that secondary, then you'll start to see some – the Jets have the potential for an elite-level defense. But right now, this is kind of the, the game plan they're going to have. Yeah, they gave up uh, 129 rushing yards, 105 to Elliott, although he was a workhorse, 28 carries it took him to get there, mm-hmm. so under four yards a carry. Now, the pressure on Dak, they only got to him once for a sack, but eight knockdowns. How much credit do you give to the Jets for that or that the Cowboys' offensive line being banged up and not having all their guys out there? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, the the, the Jets certainly, um, the the Tyron Smith and L.L. Collins, are two tremendous offensive tacklings. I mean, Smith might be one of one of, if not the best in the NFL, and then Collins is is certainly well a, a very very good player in his own right. So those two guys both being out played a huge role because, I mean, it's a it's two fifths of your offensive line. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's a, that's a huge chunk of this front. I mean, imagine the Jets without two fifths. Well, actually, they replaced two fifths of their offensive line, so the Jets actually got better when they lost two starters. But obviously, the Cowboys when you're losing two Pro Bowl guys, and in Smith's case, an All Pro. I mean, it makes a difference, but the Jets knew from the start here that they needed to shut down the run and then pressure Dak Prescott, and they blitzed, and they blitzed, and they blitzed. I mean, Greg Williams dialed up everything that he had in his playbook to get after Prescott, and it worked. I mean, Kyle Phillips had a, had a hit. Blake Cashman had a hit. Hewitt had a hit. Fadu Kasi had a hit. Jordan Jenkins, in his return, had the one sack, but also three hits. Leonard Williams had a hit. I mean, these guys were all 
over the place trying to get after Prescott, and they were hitting him, and they were hitting him hard. I mean, he was feeling these things. The guy's going to need a nice bath for this one. So uh, the missing, the, the offensive line missing certainly played a role, but the Jets also dialed up that blitz and, and give him credit because they got home. All right, so the defense good enough. The offense breaks out, and this team breaks out with a victory. Still some question marks. Uh, the offensive line um, was was pretty good for most of the game, although Kelvin Beecham goes out in the third. They bring in Shell Connor. <laughs> Maybe you can use the puns, but he was kind of a shell of an offensive lineman. Um, the Cowboys really abused him. They still lack depth on that O-line. Yeah, that, that Beecham, I mean, Beecham is in no way, shape, or form a, a tremendous left tackle, but he is the best left tackle the Jets have. And <laughs> with him out, you kind of saw, look, Shell's issue, one of the reasons why the Jets benched him is he's not a, a very mobile player. He's not very quick. He's more of a, a phone booth type offensive lineman where he's best in short space where he can just kind of block the guy in front of him and, and that's it. At left tackle, we're usually dealing with some more speed. At left tackle, we're usually do, dealing with some some more threat where you got to kind of open up and uh, cover the guys and they, they block the guys on the outside. I mean, he struggled with that. He struggled with the speed, and, and the Jets kind of won in spite of him with Darnold moving around. So that's that's a big injury that I would watch. Uh, that That is something that I would be concerned with moving forward here uh, because the Jets can replace some of their guards. You can have Alex Lewis slide in. Uh, you can have Chuma take over at right tackle, put a pretty good game again. I got to look over some of the specific offensive line metrics now, a little bit later on. They aren't up directly yet in terms of pro football focuses grading because uh, it's kind of tough to, for myself to go back and grade the offensive line. And, and so I'm waiting to see if those things come up pretty soon here. But uh, Alex Lewis had another good game. I thought Chuma and Daga held his own. Uh, but if the Jets now have to go to Brandon Schultz left tackle, they're going to be uh, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. So that that is absolutely something to watch moving forward. Especially yeah, with not, the Patriots coming to town and, and Michael Bennett. Yeah, and Darnell is blindside. You certainly want to protect the guy on, on that side, the young quarterback. And we talked about him being able to create space. But he's going to be able to see it to be able to move that pocket. Um, one thing we didn't get to late last week, and, and I think it's still relevant because he was on the kick returns this week, Vincent Smith um, and, and his skills. He had the touchdown, obviously, in the defeat last week, and you wrote a nice feature on him. And the way he came to the Jets was basically – the scouts noticed him, but then Demarius Thomas, who um, he really created a bond with in Houston last year. Kind of a cool story of how the Jets were able to bring in this guy that he's a project, no doubt, but he's certainly got skills, and he could be a guy that develops into something here for the Jets. Yeah, he's he's so quick and he's so fast. And, uh, you know, the one thing about, about the Texans, and it's kind of overshadowed a little bit because of how good – uh, DeAndre Hopkins is, but they're not really route technicians up there. And it's very similar to Josh McDaniels and, and the New England Patriots scheme where they don't, their offense isn't necessarily predicated on take, you know, hit hard at the five, at the five yard marker and the inside hash, and then turn around at this point to make the play work. Their big thing is just get open and, and the quarterback's going to find you when you get open. So Vincent Smith is, is a height, weight, speed guy, or not weight, but he's a height, speed, fast guy, athletic, really good hands. Uh, can jump through the roof. Uh, it's like 40-inch vertical, uh, 4 3 6, 40-yard dash, tall guy. I think he's 6'3". So he was someone who in Houston was – was they believed, okay, he's someone who – he with those athletic skills, he can just get open. But when Demarius Thomas was there, Demarius Thomas is a route technician. He's very much created himself and built himself into an NFL receiver after coming out of Georgia Tech where he basically ran just three routes. So 
Uh, when he got to Houston, Demarius Thomas, he kind of saw this kid in Smith, Vincent Smith, who was running around doing everything he could, running every single receiving route when, when uh, Hopkins wanted to play off or Fuller wanted to play off, and doing everything. But he wasn't really getting the coaching that Thomas thought he could get to really have him thrive. So when the Jets wanted to infuse their receiving core with some talent and some speed and things like that, and, and they took, Joe Douglas took this game film of uh, of Smith and some practice film that they had, and he took him to took it to uh, Adam Gase and said, "What do you think?" Gase immediately went to Demarius Thomas and basically said, "What do you think? You you played with this guy. What's he like mentally? What's he like as a teammate? What's he like?" And Thomas said, "You got to go get this guy because Adam Gase is a former receivers coach. He is a route technician. His offense works when you go to a certain marker and you turn at a certain time, and it's timing routes and it's coaching. It's specific. He really is a route technician, and he loves guys who are like that." So Thomas said, "Look." Adam, if you get this guy in in here and you give him your style of coaching and he works with you and he works with the Jets receivers coach, Sean Jefferson, he is going to thrive and take off. And I think you're going to see Vincent Smith get more and more and more involved throughout the year. You saw the Jets obviously used him as a kick returner. I thought he actually did some better things than what Trenton Cannon did. Uh, that would be something I would watch moving forward. You saw him get more involved on offense. You're starting to see him get, you know, obviously you saw what his speed can do on the end around. I think this is a kid you're going to see start to start to do a little bit more for the Jets moving forward because he has all the talent in the world, just needs coaching. The Jets are giving him the style of coaching that they believe he needs, uh, and I think you'll see him uh, certainly play a role here as, as the year goes on. Quickly becoming the greatest player ever out of Limestone College, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not mistaken. I think he might be the only NFL player out of Limestone. I, 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 I <laughs> well, saw that go. online real quick. I meant to confirm that with him when I, when I talked to him in the locker room after the story ran. I forgot to. Was, we were talking about cars and other stuff. Um, but I got to go ask him. I think, I think he's the only player that's come out of limestone. I think D two school down in South Carolina. So, uh, yeah, definitely a guy to watch and, and a cool, it's great to, when teams can find, uh, diamonds in the rough like that and grab guys off other teams, practice squads and, and do it through the scouting route. It's certainly, uh, it's one way to build up depth when you're in a jet situation where you haven't drafted well over years. At least it, it gives you a chance to, to kind of catch up. All right. Hey, we got to win. That means we get to give out some game balls. Um, we're going to do one for offense and one for defense. Um, let's start with the offense, Connor. Who are you giving your game ball to? <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to give it to, to uh, offensive guard. No, I'm going to give it to Sam Darnold, obviously. <laughs> I think that's that's a, that's a pretty obvious one. I mean, the kid is he's not the only reason why the Jets won this game, but the Jets don't win this game unless Sam Darnold's under center. I mean, the kid was lights out. Obviously, we talked already about the, the over 330 passing yards, nearly 340 passing yards, a 113 quarterback rating, the two touchdowns. But – as we said, his ability to move within the pocket, his ability to contort his body to find throwing lanes, his ability to mask the offensive line's issues with his own mobility and talent. Uh, I, I just, it, it was, it, Darnold, what Darnold did on Sunday was absolutely everything you could have hoped to see from from a 22-year-old quarterback in his second year. Uh, and, and without a doubt, I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit for this win, and, and he's getting my offensive game ball. All right. Well, it's no fun if I give it to the same person. So I'm going to just be completely random here and, and it'll be kind of an offense slash special teams game ball. I'll give it to Demarius Thomas, who caught the first pass from Darnold and somehow recovered that onside kick late where it looked like it had gotten away from him. And suddenly the arm jets out, grabs the ball and pulls it back into his body and the Jets able to hold on. So I'll give out a random one to Demarius Thomas. How go. about defense? Uh, mine's kind of like a two part. Obviously, I, I Jamal Adams had one. Uh, he played a, a huge game. I thought he played really, really well. The nine tackles, obviously, bounced back in a big way after having that uh, defensive pass interference called on him that gave the the um, the Cowboys a first and ten 
when they were facing a first and 25 uh, and the incomplete pass. I mean, that that hurt the Jets, but he came back and, and I mean, he's the reason why Dak didn't have time to get it to uh, Jason Witten. And, and trust me, if, if he had an extra two or three seconds, Witten was going to get open. He's that kind of a player where you just knew the pass was going to fall. So Adams forced that play. But the other one who I thought, the other guy who I thought played a really good game was Brian Poole. Uh, nine tackles. Again, he's so physical, so forceful, good against the run, good as good as a corner, cover corner. He's having a pretty good season, Poole is, and he's a, he's been a pretty good signing that Mike McCagnan had as a nickel guy. It got him pretty cheap, too. So uh, those are kind of like my, my two-part game balls. Jamal Adams, obviously, but I also thought Jamal um, Brian Poole played a really good game. Yeah, those two guys uh, t- teamed up each nine tackles total for the game. Uh, Adams with the one and a half tackles for loss. And I'll give it to Adams as well, but it's because it gives us a nice transition into how we're going to finish things up here, which is, uh, well, Connor, Jamal Adams spoke after the game in the locker room, and you were just <laughs> conveniently located over his right shoulder for uh, for the TV cameras. And I know you didn't know it, but you became a bit of a Twitter sensation, I think, among, among Jets fans and, and writers. <laughs> For the reactions, there's two of them. There was two bites that made it on, and we got to give a little credit to SNY, I guess. Um, for uh, I think it was their videos on on Twitter that that made it. But yeah. the one was the "How about them Cowboys?" We started the show with that audio, uh, and your reaction was great. And then there was another one where Jamal Adams referenced the fact that he was having a conversation with Sam Darnold in the shower uh, right after the game, and then he went on to to just awkwardly explain that it wasn't that sort of sort of shower experience. And, and your Facial expressions throughout the entire thing were just priceless. So I guess the the lesson for you is know where the camera is. Yeah, you know it was kind of like the the one that always got me was the the how about them Cowboys because that was a point there where it was towards the the Jamal had already been talking for like six minutes, five minutes, six minutes, something like that, and I was like, all right, let's get him out of here. Sam's got to come in here. Got to get my Darnold quotes. I can go up and write my story and hopefully get out of here by by eleven o'clock or so or ten o'clock or so. And uh, you know, as, as he said, I'm kind of like thinking about that, like, all right, let's go. But like still listening to the conference, which kind of trigger words. And all I hear is, how about them Cowboys? I was like, oh, that's a <laughs> quote. And I didn't realize until I saw the video back that my eyes like grew and like raised in the back. Like, ooh, what was that? And then, you know, kind of I was like, oh, my God. So a couple fans tweeted it to me. Uh, and I got to get the clip from from the uh, from SMY today. I'm going to kind of chop it up and put it in, put uh, tweet it out just kind of what it's like. But um, it was it was fun. I, I, uh, I was cracking up at that. And he is fun. Is he the best guy to talk to in the after after a game? I don't know about practice during the week and the information you can draw about him, but as far as emotion after a game, Adam seems to be the guy to go to for the Jets. Uh, it depends. It depends on his mood. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, okay. It honestly, yeah, you would think because he's the emotional leader and all that, but it, it depends. I mean, he has. It depends on what his mood is. If he feels like talking to us, then he will. But like for example, the majority of last year, he stunk. Like he really wasn't that great. And then he would actually give the majority of his quotes when he did that radio hit on WFAN. And as as reporters, you were kind of like, what the hell, dude? Like, I mean, because we're we're the guys that are there every single day. And we mm-hmm. talk to him and, and he would be like, no, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Just kind of like play it off as oh, we're fine. We're fine. Then he would go on, on WFAN and just pour out his heart and make like 10 headlines. And we're like, where the hell was this yesterday when we talked to you in the locker room? We talked to you on a conference call. I mean, he just saved it and gave it to WFAN. And uh, the one thing that he made it all up for, though, was the obviously his Week 17 press conference after the uh, after the Jets lost to the Patriots. That was when he came out about the dogs uh, and said, you know, the Jets need more dogs. I mean, he filled it up. I mean, I we all left there with like six different stories from Jamal Adams. So he has that kind of potential, but he also has the potential to not do things like that. So 
Uh, we'll like it. It depends. It honestly depends on his mood. There, there are other guys in there that are that are a little bit better quotes. Uh, Jordan Jenkins actually probably uh, steals the cake, uh, for or takes the cake, I should say, uh, for for the best quote in that locker room. He's always raw. He's always passionate, and he always puts it like it is. Uh, so I think he's actually a much better a much better quote. All right. Well, that'll do it for for this one. As we get forward, though, the Patriots coming up next Monday. That's going to be tough. But now there's suddenly going to be uh, some hype around that Monday night game. That's exciting. And then the schedule gets easier. We mentioned it. Jaguars, Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins. That is a stretch where the Jets can do some damage and maybe really get this season turned around. We will have a full preview of that Patriots game coming up later this week. That one exclusively available on The Athletic, a bonus episode. So make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, not just for that, but also for the great stories that Connor's writing week in and week out. And hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a fantasy football team too. And you're probably wishing you started Robbie Anderson on Sunday with that big performance. The Ranking Show with Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, and Michael Beller help you get your fantasy line upset each week and every week so be sure to download the latest episodes of the ranking show right here on the athletic another great podcast in the athletic podcasting network make sure you follow connor on twitter connor underscore j underscore hughes and thanks to marissa for doing the great producing behind the scenes we will talk to you later in the week we're going to get you ready for the patriots talk to you then